It's Monday, September 12th, and this is Brian with the Morning News. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the headlines you need to know to be in the know. Wildfires burned throughout Oregon and Washington State on Sunday, prompting officials to order evacuations in some areas and electric utilities to shut off power to thousands of customers for safety reasons. There were 19 large fires in the two states, encompassing more than 295,000 acres as of Sunday, according to the Northwest Interagency Coordination Center. The center provides logistical and intelligence support for agencies in the region. Some 5,000 personnel were fighting the blazes. In Oregon, the Cedar Creek Fire in the central part of the state grew to more than 85,000 acres, driven by strong winds, scorching heat, and dry conditions over the weekend, according to the Oregon Office of the State Fire Marshal. 2,200 homes and 443 commercial structures were under threat, the agency said. Authorities issued evacuation orders for residents of the Oak Ridge, West Fur, and High Prairie areas. In other news, Americans remembered 9-11 on Sunday with tear-choked tributes and pleas to never forget, 21 years after the deadliest terror attack on U.S. soil. Bonita Mintis read victims' names at the World Trade Center to a crowd that included Vice President Kamala Harris and husband Doug Imhoff. At the Pentagon, which also was targeted on 9-11, President Joe Biden vowed that the U.S. would continue working to root out terrorist plots and called on Americans to stand up for, quote, the very democracy that guarantees the right to freedom that those terrorists on 9-11 sought to bury in the burning fire, smoke, and ash, end quote. First Lady Jill Biden spoke at the third attack site, a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Communities around the country marked the day with candlelight vigils, interfaith services, and other commemorations, and some Americans joined in volunteer projects. Around the world, since invading Ukraine, Russian President Vladimir Putin has weaponized the country's vast stores of energy to undermine support for Kyiv. He turned off the taps to the biggest natural gas pipeline, Nord Stream, completely this month. The impact has pushed Europe to the brink of recession and threatens to inflict lasting harm on its manufacturing businesses. Unlike the U.S., Europe leaned on manufacturing and heavy industry to keep its economy going in recent decades. A bigger chunk of its economy comes from the likes of steelmakers, chemicals producers, and car makers. Europe's energy crisis has left few businesses untouched, from steel and aluminum to cars, glass, ceramic, sugar, and toilet paper makers. Some industries, such as the energy-intensive metal sector, are shutting factories that analysts and executives say might never reopen, imperiling thousands of jobs. Factory curtailments and closures have saved fuel in Europe's quest to reduce demand along with the hunt for non-Russian supplies that's enabled the European Union to store enough gas to fill over 80% of its storage capacity, probably enough to get to spring without government-enforced quotas, even if Mr. Putin cuts supplies to zero, according to analysts. Back in the U.S., illness caused by COVID-19 shrank the U.S. labor force by around 500,000 people, a hit that is likely to continue if the virus continues to sicken workers at current rates, according to a new study released today. Millions of people left the labor force during the pandemic for various reasons, including retirement, lack of child care, and fear of COVID. 
The total size of the labor force reached 164.7 million people in August, exceeding the February 2020 pre-pandemic level for the first time, according to the study's authors, economists Gopi Sagoda of Stanford University and Evan J. Soltis at MIT. The study was based on a representative population of more than 300,000 workers followed over 14 months in the Census Bureau's monthly household survey. And, on Sunday night, Carlos Alcaraz defeated Norway's Casper Ruud to complete a U.S. Open championship run that took him more than 23 hours. Alcaraz also made himself the youngest number one in the history of the world ranking system, which dates back to 1973. On Saturday, Iga Swiatek took down Ons Jabeur in one hour and 50 minutes to clinch her first U.S. Open championship and her second Grand Slam tournament of the season. Now you know, and you're ready to go with the morning news. Share this with a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also sign up for our newsletter at themorningnews.com. Thank you for listening.